Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 6th of April, 2021. This is episode 395 of Bitcoin and liquidated longs are coming through. Hey, <laughs> I got to start the show somehow, dude. I just looked up at my uh, tweet deck and it's like, shit, BitMEX research uh, tweets start flowing in and I'm like, ah, I hate seeing it, man. I can't stand it. It's almost it's almost a fear that I have when I when I like pop open my phone or something and hit Bitcoin Twitter. I'm like going, am I just going to see a raft of BitMEX research tweets that just tell me bad news and then have to close my phone back up? <laughs> hey, this shit happens. People are playing with the markets. I don't know why. I honestly, this is why we can't have nice things. These idiots are always out there doing shit on the market, but. <clears throat> I get to talk about something that's one of my favorite things in this space so far um, is this notion of a ring of fire and uh, Zeno or Zeno, I can't pronounce, I don't know how to pronounce his Twitter handle. Uh, it is in fact C-Z-I-N-O, finally, finally unpopped the cork and I am now freely able to talk about more details of the Lightning Network's Ring of Fire. Is it an innovation in the code base? No. It's people getting together, figuring out ways to put Lightning Network nodes together in a particular fashion to solve particular problems. And these guys, Zeno and um, oh, Soul Exporter, it, it's, it's Soul Exporter's idea. <clears throat> But Zeno kind of like lit the fire, okay? Because it is a ring of fire. So let's let's kind of dig into this a little bit. Uh, Zeno, uh, I think it was sometime this morning. I'm showing 3:45 a.m. as of this morning. This tweet went out from Zeno, and he says, <clears throat> "This tweet marked the day that we closed our first ring of fire on the Lightning Network. What is the ring of fire?" I think it's a really cool concept worth sharing. Time for a thread. Oh man, probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> That's why I'm reading it to you. Because if, if you're one of the people that say that see time for a thread and just go, nope, you're gonna want it. You're this is this one was worth it, okay? Continuing with this thread, <clears throat> I was immediately intrigued when Soul Exporter, that's at Soul Exporter, all one word on Twitter, <clears throat> told me about his idea of creating a ring of lightning nodes all connected to each other in a way that they create a closed loop. Each channel has the same capacity, which provides the basis for perfectly balancing out the channels right from the beginning in a trustless manner. We quickly decided to open up a telegram group to coordinate the project. Within one week, we grew to 12 members interested and ready to open channels. 
After a few initial hurdles, <clears throat> we got the first ring of fire up and running. Congrats, bro. We're still learning how to drive the ring, but we already found new benefits. One, naturally, the connectivity for each participant in the Lightning Network increases. <clears throat> each participant also gets the exact same inbound liquidity as the outbound liquidity he or she provided. Two, we act as a small community. The ring fosters relationships. I got to meet some great Bitcoiners. Three, so communication is on a very high level. If you have troubles with your node or questions, somebody is immediately available to help. Four, ring members are watching out for each other. If a node is offline, we inform the pleb. I also have set up the first watchtower within our ring and offer the service to my peers. I expect more watchtowers to be set up so that we, we can all remain vigilant. What comes next? As for our first ring, we're looking into sharing routing data between us. Our goal is to gain insights how sats move and improve our fee and channel policies accordingly to not only earn routing fees, but also protect ourselves from having our channels drained. Two more rings are also in the making, a 1 million Satoshi ring and a 10 million Satoshi ring, and we are looking for more participants. Feel free to join our Telegram group for more information, and he gives the Telegram group's link. <clears throat> or feel free to copy our design uh, template and spin up your own ring of your desired size. And the finally, finally, it says you can find the detailed description here, and he gives a link to the GitHub where indeed more information is waiting for you to read. Now, I tweeted out or retweeted the initial tweet. So when you see at, okay, this is Zeno, but his Twitter handle is actually at C-A-P-O-C-Z-I-N-O, Capo Zeno, I guess is how that would be pronounced. And it's got a great big Bitcoin symbol that's sitting in the middle of a ring of fire. And it says time for a thread. Go catch it because you'll be able to join the Telegram group if you're interested in, in, in participating. And it's, I mean, I am. I'm, I'm like, I've got a million sats just chilling out at like on chain in my lightning node right now. I am waiting for these guys to pull the trigger on the 1 million Satoshi ring because it's like they've already got this other ring closed. And another part of the concept is that there's these different size liquidity rings, right? But the rings at certain points, uh, the larger rings attached to the smaller rings. So when, when you think about it, it's like a ring within a ring within a ring and all the rings are actually talking to each other. And what you end up with, in my view, is a super node because I mean, my God, the way the, the liquidity that's driving through all the, the rings themselves individually at these certain levels of Satoshi's, but they're also driving each the, the rings below them as well as above them. So you can think of it as like a cone of rings that go up forever, Laura, it goes up forever. So yeah, Find the thread. I, I retweeted it, uh, let's see, this morning at, oh, uh, let me see, because this is important enough to actually pause and go find it. So at uh, about oh, 5.20 a.m., April the 6th, that's today, I retweeted Senzo, or Zeno's tweet. 
go find it. Start building your Lightning Network capacity today. Go into the Telegram group, find somebody to connect with, tell them how many sats you've got, learn about how, what, what it is they're doing to, in a detailed way. And by the way, this is new. It's, I don't know, let's call it likely illegal and mostly reckless, okay? Because Lightning Network is still beta. I still, I still regard this thing as beta, yet I've got like $1,000 worth of USD sitting on my, on my Lightning node because I'm so reckless that all these people have opened up channels with me. Yesterday, I got an inbound 1 million Satoshi uh, <clears throat> channel. I didn't ask for it. I have no idea who this guy is. One million, one million Satoshis is a lot of money. It's, that is nothing to sneeze at. And boom, it just ended up looking at my Thunder Hub going, what the hell is this? And it's not an inbound channel from one of the guys at Ring of Fire. I asked and nobody, like everybody's like, nope, looks like somebody that's not in this group just opened a one million Satoshi uh, uh, lightning channel to you. So if it's so reckless, you know, why is everybody, you know, getting into it? because Bitcoin's Lightning Network now has 10,000 active nodes and $69 million in locked value. This is a Coindesk article by Colin Harper. The number of nodes on Bitcoin's Lightning Network has nearly doubled year over year, according to public data. The Lightning Network had about 5,335 public nodes in April of 2020. Now that number sits at 10,348, which is a 94% increase. This figure only includes nodes with public connections, however, and the real number is likely higher when factoring nodes with private connections. As Bitcoin's on-chain fees grow alongside Bitcoin's price, scaling technologies like Lightning offer users a cheaper and faster way to transact. If Bitcoin will ever be used as a day-to-day currency, a scaling solution like Lightning is paramount, and avid Bitcoiners even use the network today to purchase goods and services. Consider this Iranian Lightning user who used Bitcoin to buy a PlayStation now pass that, sorry, now pass that is otherwise restricted by sanctions. I, I don't think he meant to write that particular say, so, uh, sentence. Anyway, continuing shit. With, with Bitcoin's Lightning Network seeing more activity than ever, the total number of payment channels on the network is now over 45,000. The Lightning Network currently holds 1,185 BTC, worth some $69 million. <clears throat> Though introduced in 2017, the past two years have been critical for Lightning's growth. At the end of 2020, crypto exchange Kraken announced it would be it would support the feature before Kraken. The only prominent exchange to adopt Lightning were Bitfinex and the Bitcoin-only River Financial. Exchange integrations make it cheaper for their customers to deposit and withdraw Bitcoin, often paying cents in fees instead of single or double digit dollar amounts they may pay on Bitcoin's main chain. Since Kraken's announcement, the UK's Coin Corner, Vietnam's oldest exchange and OKCoin followed suit with their own Lightning Network integrations. In addition, Jack Maller's Strike, a Venmo-esque payment app that uses Lightning to settle USD and other fiat balances, came out of beta this year and is forthcoming full rollouts uh, in a number of markets. With businesses adding Lightning, the, the network's liquidity and routing capabilities are improving. User-friendly apps like Strike are also making it easier to onboard users to what has historically been an even more unwieldy technology for the uninitiated than Bitcoin. Yeah, no shit, bro. I mean, it's, it takes a special kind of, of pain tolerance 
to to do the to do lightning and to really dig into it and 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 pull it apart in your mind so that you understand how it works. And what I learned is that I still don't understand how lightning works. I I mean I'm just going to be f- straight up honest. I'm learning as much as I can and the the Ring of Fire Telegram group is really helping. But like Bitcoin, we don't know what this creature we we have no idea what the physiology of this creature is. It's like there there's this old sort of like an old saying that you put you put an elephant in a room of five blind you know people, and you're going to get a, five different descriptions of what that elephant is, because we're all feeling different parts. One might just be holding the tail and say it's long and thin, and other one might be you know up against a leg saying, "Geez, this thing is huge." You, you know, it it depends on where your where your perspective is, and the Lightning Network is going to be it, well, not going to be. It's exactly like the elephant in the room of a group of blind people. We don't know what it looks like. Like I would have never thought of the concept of of rings of liquidity at differing sizes all connecting to each other with watchtowers all along the pathway acting as a super node. I, it, what, what the hell else is going to come as we put these, as we put these different pieces together, we, we're going to be, it's like a creature that allows us to build new and heretofore unknown creatures. We don't know what they're going to look like. So I highly recommend digging into lightning. It's fascinating when you fi- when you when you spin up your node and you start looking at it, and you have inbound as well as outbound liquidity channels that are open and stable. That's when the magic happens. If you just have a lightning node and it's not re- in it with no channels, you basically don't have a lightning node. You're not supporting anything. You're not. You're not. And that here was the thing. I used to think that I was supporting routing. That, that's how stupid I was. When I first started getting into Lightning, I was like, well, I'll just, I'll, you know, here, I've got my node. I'll just, I'll turn it on. That'll help. No, no, that, that, no, no. You need inbound as well as outbound liquidity channels. Does it have to be perfectly balanced channels? Some say no. Others say yes. And there, and so like right off the bat, you get into the situation where you're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know exactly what the infrastructure of this looks like. I don't know what the physiology looks like. I, not, I can't even get a handle on what the creature itself looks like. But once you start getting into it and you see like invoices start passing through your node, I don't know, man, it turns something on inside. I recommend going to the Telegram group again. Senzo's tweet is uh, on my timeline. I tweeted it out at 520 this morning. Uh, Go read it and join the Telegram group, okay? Now, Bitcoin's kimchi premium has hit 15%. What's that? We'll find out from, oh, Aike Atutubuiki. Yeah, I can't pronounce that. There's no way. Sorry. This is out of Bitcoin Magazine. With TradingView reporting $57,000 BTC price for USA-based exchange Coinbase and $66,000 for South Korea's Bitham at the time of this writing, the kimchi premium or the difference between the Bitcoin price on Western exchanges and South Korean exchanges has reached 15%. Boy, I'll bet Barry Silbert's pissed off about that. 
With a name derived from the popular South Korean dish, the kimchi premium was first identified in 2016, according to a research report from University of Calgary. Though the current 15% price premium is notable, the spread has been marked as high as 54.48% in January of 2018, per the report. Although the price spread looks lucrative for foreign traders, local regulations limit foreigners from trading cryptocurrency through a South Korean exchange. Also, the regulations limit Korean traders from exploiting the arbitrage opportunities on international exchanges. Quote, institutional frictions prevent arbitragers from keeping Bitcoin prices in Korea aligned with the rest of the world, the University of Calgary researchers explained. Quote, divergence in Bitcoin prices are not only a Korean phenomenon. International differences in Bitcoin prices can be, as, can be high and persist over very long periods of time, end quote. That being said, this premium reveals a bullish sentiment for Bitcoin in the South Korean cryptocurrency market. Judging by the size of the South Korean cryptocurrency market, this high premium for Bitcoin may have an effect on global prices going forward. So yeah, if you're gonna try to ARB this, good luck. I think you'd actually have to bring, uh, you'd actually have to buy it where you can buy it. And then, I don't know, smuggle a hardware wallet into South Korea to take advantage of the arbitrage opportunities. I don't know. It's, it, it, looks, it looks like it's more of an illiquid market over there when it comes to international trading than anywhere else in the world. But, you know, it is what it is. And it is $66,000 in, in South Korea. Man, that's a, hell of a, that, that's a hell of a price differential. Okay, one of my favorite people in the space, Obi Nwosu, is writing this one named Divide and Conquer for BTC Times. Last week, I wrote about the Bitcoin breakup, the inevitable creation of a two-tier system following international moves to create a regulated ecosystem. And, as I pointed out, this doesn't mark the end of innovation, pseudonymity, pseudonymity self-custody, and decentralization, but, paradoxically, perhaps a strengthening of all of these pillars. Well, this week saw the beginning of another Bitcoin breakup that will add yet more momentum to the orange juggernaut, but this one has nothing to do with regulation and everything to do with capitalism and psychology. On Tuesday, the derivatives market <clears throat> marketplace CME put out a press release announcing the creation of a new micro Bitcoin futures contract in units that will be one-tenth the size of one Bitcoin. The point here is to improve the contract's affordability and in so doing combat Bitcoin's perceived lack of affordability due to unit bias. As Bitcoin's value spirals ever upwards and Biden's record $3 trillion stimulus package sends inflation ever skyward, markets with one BTC minimum contract sizes will offer fewer and fewer trade opportunities due to an increasing minimum transaction value. Furthermore, the high perceived price of a single BTC can spook new retail and professional investors alike. And when investors get nervous, they seek out cheaper cryptos that they, that they see as having better growth potential. That is always dangerous. Don't do that. There is a basic error at the heart of this thinking, which is that investors should never think in terms of the current price of an asset, but rather its potential to hold or increase in value. For reasons that have been expounded upon on numerous occasions, Bitcoin has and continues to perform better than the vast majority of altcoins. However, this irrationality was not just predictable, it was inevitable as, as is the solution. <coughs> 
Like so much that is good about Bitcoin, divisibility was baked into it from the beginning. Now it's the turn of the market. It, it's the turn of the market to catch up with CME Group being one of the first major traditional institutions to recognize that measuring BTC value in large units, while indicative of its historical success, will naturally become a smaller part of Bitcoin's future. It's psychological as much as anything, and simply splitting Bitcoin into smaller investment units will prove a powerful corrective to the unit bias that is currently pervasive. I was talking to an institutional investor turned Bitcoiner friend about CME Group's announcement earlier this week, and we agreed that many other institutional exchanges will follow and go further, culminating with all quoting the price in Satoshis, the Bitcoin equivalent of cents or pence, but some 100 million times smaller than a Bitcoin as a way to burst the bubble of unit bias and to increase trading volumes. The motivation is simple. When exchanges are paid by the number of contracts exchanged, splitting Bitcoin into smaller, more tradable units is going to maximize profitability. Bitcoin's unit bias is another welcome indication of its growing pains. And the fact that the market has started to find solutions is a sign that powerful profit motives are ensuring further progress. In time, we will see that splitting Bitcoin into subunits will bring even greater utility or rather unity among the investment community for the digital gold and represents a crucial step on the path towards hegemony. First divide, then conquer. <laughs> nice, nice. <clears throat> He's right. Unit bias has been killing us for a long time now. And it, it's been there for a long time. I mean, we were talking about unit bias before the before the run up to $20,000 in 2017. And it was a problem then. And it's even more of a problem now because of the perception that you have to buy one Bitcoin. And I, I mean, we've, we've, you know, we're blue in the face from screaming that that's not the case, that you can buy a portion of a Bitcoin. You can buy a piece of a Bitcoin. You can buy many, many really small pieces of a Bitcoin. So keep grinding it out, folks. Just keep telling people that you don't have to buy one whole Bitcoin. And by the way, in the future, that's going to be impossible. Buying one whole Bitcoin in the future is impossible given the fact that it's like if you I think it's if you look at I want to say it's like like 7.8 billion people if you look at that and you you know infinity divided by 21 million right um it ends up working out to something like 0.027 of a bitcoin is all if you were to divide the entire supply that's all anybody would ever be able to have. So congratulations on front-running billionaires, hedge fund managers, and Ray Dalio. MicroStrategy stock spikes following another big bet on Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Yesterday, I told you that they bought another uh, $15 million worth of Bitcoin, and uh, the stock market apparently cheered. Matthew DeSalvo tells us more from Gcrypt.co. Tech company MicroStrategy today announced another Bitcoin investment, bringing its digital gold fortune to over $5.4 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. The cloud software company, which arguably is one of the key reasons for Bitcoin's phenomenal bull run, said it had pumped $15 million worth of cash into the digital asset, buying an extra 253 Bitcoin. Following the announcement, MicroStrategy's stock pumped and is today up 3.33%, according to Bloomberg data. 
Last week, global financial services firm BTIG said MicroStrategy was worth investing in due to its bullish stance on crypto. Analysts at BTIG believe Bitcoin's price could hit 95000 by 2022. And what's good for BTC is good for MicroStrategy, says the firm. Quote, we believe who, <coughs> sorry, we believe who invest in the stock should do so, understanding that their investment is highly correlated with the price of Bitcoin, the BTIG analyst said. But not everyone agrees with this assessment. Last December, analysts at Citi downgraded MSTR stock to sell based on the same logic, the firm's investment in Bitcoin. Uh, this, <clears throat> this was at a time, however, when Bitcoin's price was still just above 23000 Last month, the company's stock dropped nearly 20% in a matter of days following reports of MicroStrategy executives and directors selling off millions in shares. MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor wrote on Twitter that the firm now holds 91,579 Bitcoin, bought for $2.226 billion at an average price of 24311 per Bitcoin, meaning the company's investment is up 144%. MicroStrategy helped kickstart Bitcoin's price surge last year by investing $250 million in the currency in August. Saylor, at the time, claimed Bitcoin was a dependable store of value and an attractive investment asset with more long-term appreciation potential than holding mere cash. The company then plugged another $175 million in the currency one month later. MicroStrategy has continued accumulating more and more Bitcoin since then. <clears throat> All the while, Saylor has consistently sung Bitcoin's praises and described it as a safe haven asset, likening it to digital gold. His company, which provides mobile software and cloud-based services to other businesses, has also continued to buy up the coin. Bitcoin is the world's first engineered safe haven asset, he said in a December CNBC interview, quote, Bitcoin is engineered synthetic pharmaceutical grade gold, end quote. Saylor's argument is that cash is subject to depreciation, so companies holding a lot of U.S. dollars should switch to an alternative asset with higher returns. Bitcoin, which is up more than 41,000% since 2013, is that asset, Michael Saylor believes. Other big firms have followed Saylor's advice. Payment company Square has invested $220 million in the currency in the past year, and Elon Musk's car company Tesla made a $1.5 billion Bitcoin buy in February. I'm hearing, that's the end of the article, but I'm hearing rumors about Walmart again. Does anybody have any actual data on this shit? Because if you don't, it's, it, I mean, spreading, like, spreading hopium is just as bad as, as FUD, okay? If, unless there's real hard data that Walmart is indeed buying, has bought, or is going to buy, please stop talking about it. Because th then we clearly don't know what the hell Walmart is doing. And when you start bandying around words like Walmart's going to buy Bitcoin, that could end up being a pie in the face. So stop it, okay? It's not right to, to say shit like that unless we really know. And if you do happen to know, hit me up on Twitter. Show me the Forbes article or, or something, okay? I, my DMs are open, dude. At B-E-N-N-D-7-7 on Twitter. That's at B-E-N-N-D-7-7. Now, Singapore authority issues crypto warning after the prime minister falls prey to scammers. That's right. No one is immune from stupidity. Greg Thompson tells us more. Cointelegraph. Mm -hmm. Officials in Singapore have issued a notice to would-be Bitcoin and cryptocurrency investors warning them of the dangers of engaging with such a volatile market. 
Notably, the warning comes just 48 hours after Prime Minister of Singapore Lee Sen Long and his likeness appropriated by a user on the BitClout social token platform who used the Prime Minister's name to sell tokens worth a near combined $10,000 USD. On Tuesday, the chairman of the Monetary Authority of Singapore, Tharman, no way I'm pronouncing this name, warned of the inherent risks involved in speculating in the cryptocurrency space, asserting that their value was not tied to any underlying fundamentals. The gentleman's name, who I cannot pronounce, said retail investors should stay away. Quote, cryptocurrencies can be highly volatile as their value is typically not related to any economic fundamentals. (laughs) I'm just going to say this once. Your fundamentals that you think are fundamentals are not fundamental at all. You want to talk about synthetic bullshit? Your fundamentals are synthetic bullshit. There is no grounding in reality of your fundamentals. You have fundamentally failed. You have fundamentally failed. Okay, so stop it with that bullshit argument. They are hence highly risky as investment products and certainly not suitable for retail investors, said the guy, as reported by BNN Bloomberg. A couple of days earlier, Singaporean Prime Minister Lung warned citizens to remain vigilant when it comes to cryptocurrency investing investing after tokens were minted bearing his name, likeness, and social media profile. Bitcoin's 1,000% growth in the past year has drawn out numerous government warnings, such as those issued by Loon and the gentleman's name. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies more broadly are forcing regulators to take notice of their swelling market caps, raising or rise them out of the fringe asset status and legitimize them in the eyes of the investors. The gentleman said the MAS would continue to monitor cryptocurrency developments closely and will attempt to keep up the regulatory pace as technological progress continues. The crypto asset space is constantly evolving. MAS has been closely monitoring developments and will continue to adapt its rules as needed to ensure that regulation remains effective (laughs) and commensurate with the risks posed. Investors on their part should exercise extreme caution when trading cryptocurrencies. Well, duh. Uh, that just goes without saying. <clears throat> so this is all the BitClout shit, in case you missed that part. BitClout is BitConnect. Okay, it's it, you could call it BitConnect 2.0. I don't give a shit. It's BitConnect. It's a scam. It's a complete fraud. Except this time, it's just straight up plagiarizing uh, people uh, who have name recognition and some kind of clout. That's why they're calling it BitClout. There's nothing about this that is nothing. There's nothing about this that is wholesome, good, or is going to make you any kind of money. If you're in BitCloud and you can get out, you need to get out. Get out as fast as you possibly can. This is all bullshit. Let's run the numbers. Ah, oh, oil getting some recovery. So a little bit of relief today. Not by much. We are still sub $60 oil. Uh, Brent North, not Brent, West Texas Intermediate trading at $59.63. That is a 1.62% change to the upside. Brent seeing similar 1.46% to the upside. $63.06 is going to get you a barrel of that. Natural gas swinging high 2.11%. $2.56 is going to get you 1,000 cubic feet of that. It also looks like shiny metal rocks have done a little bit better. Uh, gold is up 0. 0.3, $1,735. Silver is up a full percent, $25.04. Uh, 
Platinum is up 0.04. Copper is down 1.5%, amazingly enough. Palladium is up 0.73. I still don't know what you use that shit for outside of catalytic converters, but uh, what do we got here? Oh, live cattle is unchanged, by the way. Uh, all the indices are down. 0.1 for the Dow, 0.19 for S&P futures. NASDAQ futures similar, 0.28 to the down. Uh, S&P mid mini is down 0.21. Real money coming at you. $58,417. This is why we can't have nice things. You guys are always shorting the market, man. Why are, you know, dude, stop it. Stop it. I, I hate, I hate liquidated longs. 288,000 transactions were performed in the last 24 hours, which is right at 12,000 transactions on average every hour. 534 BTC changing hands in the last 24 hours. That's 22,256 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with 1.85 BTC being the average transaction value. And the median transaction value is 0.017 BTC or right at $1,000. Block times are slightly high, 10 minutes and 17 seconds. 0.71 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 100 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. Uh, difficult, uh, not difficulty, hash rate. We've had a bump, 2.5 to the upside, brings us to 173 and a half exahashes per second. <clears throat> Your shitcoin indicator is at six cents. Dogecoin, six cents. This is directly attributable to the fact that Musk cannot stop talking about Doge. He's either doing it as a joke or he doesn't understand that the coin itself is a joke. I don't know. Either way, that's your shit coin indicator. <clears throat> we are at $1.09 trillion of market capitalization. That is 9.68% of uh, gold's market cap, and one Bitcoin will buy you 33.6 ounces of shiny metal rock. 18,674,930 BTC are in circulation at the moment, and 1,188.7 of those are in the Lightning Network. We are holding our Tor capacity of the Lightning Network at 56.6%. That's really high, and that's that's good. You know the rest of the numbers because I read you the uh, Lightning uh, story earlier, so we won't belabor this, and that's going to do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. We're going to start this one off talking about NFTs. Why? Because people might not understand that their NFTs are losing value. Andrew Thurman tells us about this silent crash as price floors collapse across the NFT space. This is out of Cointelegraph. If prices plummet in an illiquid market, how soon before anyone notices? While fungible tokens traded on centralized and decentralized exchanges have significant transparency regarding price movement, non-fungible tokens can be harder to track. Because of their illiquid nature, gauging the sentiment of the overall market for a project can be difficult, a dynamic that has led one e-girl capital member, Muni, to dub NFT corrections silent crashes. Uh, I really like at Mune21's phrasing of NFT crash as a silent crash. Why? In liquid markets, you can see prices going down every day. In NFT land, sellers have slower market reaction. Instead of sellers adjusting prices downwards, 
every day for a month, it may just be minus 80% overnight. That was a tweet from Tuba or at zero X Tuba, T-U-B-A. In a silent crash, speculators might not even be aware that one is underway. Buyers simply evaporate and sellers fail to move their wares. However, metrics such as floor price, the lowest price at which an NFT can be bought for at for a particular project, as well as total volume can indicate that a bull is turning into a bear. <clears throat> this could be bad news on the horizon for NFT collectors too, as signs are pointing to a nasty silent crash that is underway. CryptoPunks, amongst the earliest and most popular NFT projects for collectors, have seen a over 40% decrease in floor price to 14 Ethereum, which is $28,000 at the time of publication. The Price capitulation has led to some on-chain horror stories today, such as one speculator who sold a punk for 16 ETH after purchasing it for 25.5 Ethereum, and another that sold for 27.9 after a 42 Ether purchase. Oh my God, this is terrible. Crypto punks aren't the only high-profile projects uh, experiencing a market-wide correction either. Data from Evaluate.Market shows that sales volume in multiple price categories for NBA top shots have declined precipitously since a February 22 peak. One semi-anon and self-described top shot enthusiast, Jordan, who charted the downturn, points to two specific populations for the steep fall. Quote, the market has been trending down, downward since the February 22nd top. It seems like there are two types of sellers. One, the investor who got in early and wants to cash out with exponential profit. Two, the investor who bought at or near the top and can't stomach to watch their investment lose value by the day, end quote. Watching price floors plummet is difficult regardless of the project. According to market tracking website Non-Fungible, the pullback is affecting the entire market. Total number of sales, total value of sales, and active wallets are all down on a 7-day and 30-day basis. Jordan ultimately thinks this is healthy. Short-term pullback, however, quote, I think it's healthy. Relatively short-term correction. The rate at which prices rose from January the 1st to February the 22nd was unsustainable. I think the next few months will continue to be bumpy, but I'm very bullish overall. Yeah, a hash of your freaking digital art is not art, and it's not worth anything either. Now, we've done a lot of NFT bashing, and is it NFTs that I just can't stand? Not really. I mean, the idea is going to persist, and you better be prepared for it to persist. However, the way that it's being done now is completely unsustainable. There is nothing about the way that NFTs are, are done now that actually work or make sense. That's not to say that it can't work, but it can't be done the way it's being done right now. We've tried this shit before in 2015, or was it not 2015, 2016 and 2017, uh, with some, some different type of, they weren't called NFTs at the time, but they were in fact NFTs. And it worked for a little while and then it just kind of all went away. This is the second. This is not the first iteration of NFT, guys. This is the second. This is the second round, right? And it'll probably do the same thing. It'll peter out and then sometime else somebody will, will do it again. However, I think the compression, the time compression between this drop and the next rise of NFTs is going to be much shorter. 
because we're talking about 20, let's just peg it at 2017, the first round of NFTs started popping up and here we are 2021, right? The next cycle gonna be much, much shorter, but it's probably still gonna be done the same way and it's horrifically mismanaged. The whole system looks like shit to me. It looks like DeFi on steroids, honestly, which is also not a good project. But that's not saying that I don't like the concept of DeFi. It's just that it's being used for scam purposes only right now. There's not anybody in the DeFi space that actually gives a shit about decentralized finance. <clears throat> and the whole thought of selling tokens so that you can earn yielded tokens on another chain so that you can just go round robin in a great big old circle that never gets out of the ecosystem it just suck. It sucks liquidity or it sucks money into the ecosystem, but it never lets it go out because nobody wants it. It's all a scam. Now, again, NFTs and DeFi as concepts are not all that bad, but it's the implementation of those things that is terrible. And right now I, I see the entire field of this as pure scam. Stay away until this shit gets done correctly by somebody or a group of people that are not going to rug pull your ass. Who, who is that? I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see, but we, I guarantee this shit's not going away. Now, Bitcoin's $1 trillion market cap has held for 10 days straight. Martin Young tells us out of Cointelegraph, more than 10% of Bitcoin supply has been moved while its market cap has been more than a trillion dollars since March 26th indicating strong support for the middle and upper $50,000 price range. According to Monday's week on-chain report from on-chain analytics provider Glassnode, Bitcoin has enjoyed $1 trillion of market capitalization for more than one week for the very first time ever. Quote, this is a strong vote of confidence for Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency asset class as a whole, the report said. Glassnode also noted that 1.98 million BTC have moved on chain while Bitcoin's capitalization has held above $1 trillion, equal to 10.6% of the circulating supply. The report noted the mid to high $50,000 range has shown the strongest on-chain support since prices were roughly $11,000. Quote, impressively, this on-chain volume has formed one of the strongest on-chain support levels since prices were $11,000 to $12,000, end quote. Bitcoin's market cap first broke its trillion-dollar milestone on February the 19th, but quickly dipped back below the 12 to uh, 212 figures for the following 17 days, BTC tagged 13 figures again on March the 9th, but another correction dropped Bitcoin's cap back to $950 billion. Bitcoin's capitalization has now remained above $1 trillion since March the 26th and is currently sitting at $1.1 trillion, according to CoinGecko. Glassnode analyzed Bitcoin's UTXO Realized Price Distribution, or URPD, to show significant recent volumes above a $1 trillion capitalization for Bitcoin. The report notes that Bitcoin miners have returned to accumulation mode, signaling further bullishness as miners are again hodling their newly minted coins for higher prices. At the time of writing, Bitcoin was changing hands for $59,030, which was up 1.9% over the past 24 hours uh, until the, some bears woke up and decided to liquidate some longs. Uh, hey, it is what it is. Now, speaking of miners, Marathon Digital stock soars after company ramps up Bitcoin mining in first quarter. 
Sam Borgi is writing this for Cointelegraph. Shares of Marathon Digital Holdings, or MARA, surged on Monday after the cryptocurrency miner announced a significant increase in mining capacity for the first quarter, allowing it to up its stake in Bitcoin by a considerable margin. Mara stock jumped 15.8% to close at $56.56, marking a new all-time high. The crypto mining stock rose by as much as 17.1% earlier in the day. By comparison, the technology-focused NASDAQ composite index rose 1.7% on Monday. Meanwhile, the Bitwise 10 crypto index fund advanced 1.9%. As current values, or at current values, Marathon Digital has a total market cap of $5.6 billion, putting it amongst the largest of crypto proxy stocks. Marathon mined 196 BTC in the quarter ending March 31st, bringing its total holdings to 5,134.2 BTC, the company announced on Monday. At current values, Marathon's Bitcoin holdings are worth nearly $302 million. In addition to mining the digital asset, Marathon purchased 4,812.6 BTC in January at an average price of 31.168. Sorry. At $31,168, my God, it's still early. The company was able to scale up its mining operations in the first quarter after receiving 10,300 S19 Pro ASIC miners from Bitmain. Marathon's mining fleet now consists of 5,800 miners collectively generating 0.71 exahashes per second in hashing power. Cash on hand. At the company was $212 million at the end of the first quarter. Total liquidity, which is defined by cash and BTC holdings, was worth approximately $513.9 million. As Cointelegraph recently reported, Marathon plans to divert all hashing power to its new regulatory compliant mining pool on May the 1st. Assholes. The mining pool has been set up to adhere to all U.S. anti-money laundering guidelines and other, regula- and other regulations set forth by the Office of Foreign Asset Control. You dickheads. Oh, uh, well, you know, this shit is going to change in, in various ways. And j- like all, okay, here's what's going to happen. All major mining pools are going to end up being AML KYC compliant. Does that mean all mining is going to be AML KYC compliant? No, it's not. I get the feeling that there's going to be smaller and smaller and smaller, you know, mining operations that are set up and and not KYC AML, but also not part of a pool. Or if they are part of a pool, it's going to be like a black pool and nobody's really going to know about it. And, and the reason that this can happen is because of decentralized energy capture out in the middle of the freaking sticks that nobody really knows where it is and a satellite uplink. It's going to be it's going to be like it's going to be like trying I don't know to chase birds. You're never going to catch one. They they're, they're going to you're going to go, "Oh, look, they're over there at that bush." And you get up there and they all just fly away. And this scrambling to catch one out of the sky just makes you look like an idiot. Right? But the people that there's going to be, there's going to be two flavors of miners. There's going to be the big, huge, massive miners, and they have no appetite whatsoever to get outside of regulations. Then there's going to be the small mobile guys that, you know, maybe they either don't care or they live to give the middle finger to the government. And because they are mobile and they are small and they can still make a profit on their own because of the price of Bitcoin, they're going to do it. 
that's going to be where you get your KYC coin from or KYC free coin from. It'll be interesting to see how that develops, but it is going to develop. I, I guarantee it. Oh, Roger Ver calls fake news on the GoDaddy thing I was telling you about. Sam Borgi is writing this one as well from Cointelegraph. Roger Ver calls out GoDaddy for wrongly listing Bitcoin.com as for sale. Uh, Roger Ver demanded that GoDaddy remove Bitcoin.com from its sales listing, and a few hours, hours later, it does appear to have been purged. So Bitcoin.com, a cryptocurrency news mining and wallet resource, is not for sale, according to entrepreneur and site owner Roger Ver. On Monday, Bitcoin.com appeared as a premium domain available for purchase on GoDaddy, the world's largest domain registrar, for a minimum price of $100 million. The Ver contacted GoDaddy on Twitter and demanded that the listing be removed immediately, saying, quote, please remove this fake news that is damaging my real brand. Oh, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black? Yeah, well, I'm not going to get into that. Let's continue. Ver, who has been an avid cryptocurrency investor since 2011, also confirmed to Cointelegraph that the domain listing is fake news and perhaps just another example of a dirty attack on BCH by Bitcoin maximalists. Just like the time they flooded every Bitcoin.com email address with spam that has been going on to this very day, end quote. Okay, I will pause for that one. I've never heard of that. I've been in the space since 2015. I've never seen anybody talk about spamming Bitcoin.com's email addresses ever, not once. This is what I do. I would have heard about it. This shit, that shit's a lie. That's bait right there, bro. That, that's bait.gif. At the time of writing, GoDaddy appears to have completely removed the listing, though no further explanation was provider, provided. So I don't know what the hell that was. Now, it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility that it was listed by one of Roger Ver's associates so that they could have him blow up at GoDaddy so that they would take down the news and that would make him part of the news cycle for the next 48 hours, possibly longer. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if this entire thing was orchestrated because nobody's talking about Roger Ver. Nobody's talking about Bcash. And they desperately need more suckers. So I honestly think that this, this thing, entire thing was orchestrated. And if that comes out and is provable, well, it's not going to damage Roger Ver's reputation very much more. But who gives a shit? Sacramento Kings, it's going to offer Bitcoin a salary to players, says Jason Brett from Forbes magazine. I can't believe Forbes is actually letting me read one of their articles. I, I don't have a Forbes subscription and I never will get one. So I'm really surprised that I can read this entire one. Uh, Vivek Ranadive, the chairman, CEO, and governor of the Sacramento Kings announced this evening on Clubhouse that everyone in his organization could receive their pay in as much Bitcoin as they wanted. The story broke soon thereafter after a tweet from a member of the Clubhouse audience. I happened to be in the room hosted by a club member called the Satoshi Roundtable when Tim Draper, a venture capitalist well-known in the industry for purchasing Bitcoin from the United States Marshals Auction in 2014, called on Vivek to join him on the stage. The room was co-hosted by Bruce Fenton, a well-known Bitcoin advocate and investor since 2012, and was called Draper and Friends. Yeah, okay. I'm going to announce in the next few days that I'm going to offer everyone in the King's organization that they can get paid as much of their salary in Bitcoin as they want, including the players. 
said Aranda Dive. According to Neil Jacobs, well-known on Clubhouse as a regular moderator for Cafe Bitcoin, broke the news on Twitter that was soon confirmed and reported by Coindesk. The Sacramento Kings announced in 2014 that they would accept Bitcoin as payment for merchandise in their team store in partnership with payment processor BitPay. At that time, Randa Dive stated to ESPN that, quote, when I sold the NBA on keeping the team in Sacramento, my pitch included using the sports franchise as a social network to push the technology envelope, end quote. Randa Dive elaborated that accepting Bitcoin then was one step closer to fans leaving their wallets at home as his own kids would ask him why the Kings didn't accept Bitcoin. As Bitcoin continues to grow in popularity and mainstream acceptance, numerous organizations from major U.S. banks, PayPal, and even Chipotle are starting to offer services related to Bitcoin, whether it is a custody service to use as payments or part of a promotion. Elon Musk's announcement earlier this year that Tesla would accept Bitcoin as payment seems to have started the trend among corporations in using the virtual currency as part of its marketing strategy. Uh, I'm gonna pause here to remind you, ring of fire, lightning network, start learning how to be a competent node operator. It's gonna take a long time. It's, it's rather painful. There's, it's very confusing, but it's worth it. Why? because being a competent lightning node operator is going to pay fucking bank in the future. As a consultant, as somebody who runs out and sets up stores to get on the lightning network, it's gonna pay. It's just not gonna pay right now because as you know, most of us work for free or nearly damn free, which is why I remind you that it's always nice when somebody shares out my podcast because maybe, possibly one of these days, I'll be able to make a full living on just that. I don't know. Let's let's just let's go ahead and get 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 this done. Meanwhile, spending time on Clubhouse discussing Bitcoin can attract and provide access to those who usually engage in a conversation would be quite difficult to do so. Just two days ago, Michael Saylor, CEO of MicroStrategy, dropped into a room with fellow Bitcoiners and answered their questions for about an hour, demonstrating the power of access that the app provides and what led to the news from Randa Dive and the Sacramento Kings. Okay, why am I not on, on Clubhouse all the time? I don't know. It, it, does, it's, it doesn't jibe with me. I don't know why, because I listen to podcasts all the time. And when somebody said that Clubhouse was going to be your replacement for podcast, I just laughed, because there's always going to be people that don't go to the next fad. So if you're wondering why you never see me on, on Clubhouse, it, it it just doesn't charge me up, man. I don't know why. Maybe it should, but it, it just doesn't. Anyway, that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. I'm not thrilled my wife is into bondage, but my hands are tied. Yep. There you go. There's your, your, there's your daily joke. We're running short. I got nothing else for you. No reason to belabor it, but I will remind you, it really helps if you, you know, give me a five-star review, but especially sharing the show, like, you know, retweet my show tweets, uh, just tell people about it. You know, help me out here, buddy. Help me out and I'll, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.